Welcome, everybody, to the PFF College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Galina. And uh, on today's podcast, because we have released our 2021 College Football Preview Magazine, um, it's going to be me and Trash talking college football and talking about some of the stuff we learned from writing the magazine. 100,000 words, 600 pages, I think nine pages per Power 5 team. Uh, all the details that you want um, uh, to know about college football are in there. So go to pff.com, scoop that up with a PFF uh, college grades or PFF Edge subscription. And if you don't have those things, get on it. Get on it. Uh, so, yeah, we talked about um, our sleeper pick for each Power 5 team. Um, we talked about our favorite out-of-conference games. We picked five each. There was some overlap. And then, um, as we've been doing, the top 10 returning uh, players. So, we did top 10 returning interior offensive linemen. So, yeah, it's just a good episode. Um, and don't forget... Uh, cultural preview magazine available at pff.com so i hope you enjoy the episode and uh, see you guys uh see you guys later all right mr anthony trash what's going on not much man i'm feeling pretty damn good because today is a very special day for both of us we have yeah, finally the, had I'm watching the preview. my canadians play in the stanley cup finals tonight oh, oh yeah oh, i forgot, yeah, right, right, I right. forgot. The, the the preview came or the preview mag came out today that's true uh, I always yeah, forget that you're up in Canada until you bring up some <laughs> hockey shit that I have no idea what you're talking about. When I come to Cincinnati, we're going to go to a Cincinnati Cyclones game? Cincinnati, I think they yeah, have an NHL team. They do, yeah. But, I mean, they, they sell beer. That's that's the only <laughs> thing I'd be looking forward to in that whole thing. I didn't, uh, even, I didn't even know NHL was still playing until I like was reading your tweets. And I was like, oh, I guess they're still on right now. <laughs> I'm going to teach you about the neutral zone trap. All right. Uh, yes, today is a big day because the College Football Preview Mag that we worked very hard on came out. Um, and you can get it on pff.com. And it's 600 pages, uh, 100, over 100,000 words written. And all the stats that you can imagine are on there. So very excited. You know, if you listen to this podcast, uh, go to pff.com. Find out if you already subscribe to College Football grades or pff edge i believe and then you can get it uh if not uh, find a way to get it uh or message me i'll find no i'm kidding uh <laughs> find a way to get it um all right so we're, we're talking you know we, we've gone through all these teams in the, in the power five and the g and the g5 so today on the program uh we're talking sleepers for each power five conference and we are talking our favorite out of conference games next season so let's get right into it um, with the ACC, who's your sleeper pick? So you can't use Clemson. Who's your sleeper pick in the ACC to win the conference? All right. I'm going to go Miami. And, you know, like, I think some people are like, that's not really like a big sleeper pick. Well, honestly, um, but anyone I, that's not Clemson is a big sleeper pick in this conference. Well, I don't know if UNC is. I think some people are getting a little too spicy with, like, I think that UNC hype is getting overboard. I think, like, we started it before last season. And they were, we thought they were underrated, but then they slowly became more overrated. And I think we're at that point with UNC, but I think Miami's in the underrated process right now. You know, assuming Derek King is fully healthy, he comes back from his torn ACL and everything, all indications are he's way ahead of recovery. You know, the rehab process is going perfect, as good as it possibly can be. He's going to be ready for that showdown with Bama um, come week one. I think they could make some noise if we could see, you know, Charleston Rambo. Um, the Oklahoma transfer coming in to try to be the top target for Miami. Um, and Mike Harley, the veteran there that kind of emerged on the stretch last season, um, you know, kind of just went from a raw athlete to more polished receiver just out of nowhere. It was amazing to see. And I think if they can have those guys kind of step up with Derek King there, and I think they also can need to get some help from the secondary too, some guys to emerge, possibly Georgia transfer Tyreek Stevenson, who played the slot there for the Bulldogs. Now it's going to play on the outside. Uh, you know, I, I think of those pieces right there, kind of, a, you know, take a step forward and play at their full potential. And Derek King is healthy. I mean, this this team's going to be a really tough one to beat. And I think if Bryce Young doesn't come out, you know, guns a blazing in week one, it could be a closer matchup than, well, what's the spread? Like 17 and a half? I couldn't really believe that. Uh, so anthony tress says unc is overrated you'll see that on social media in oh, no 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 no! don't do me like that don't do me like that i just think they're i think they're being a little bit 
a little bit overrated, just yeah, a little but, bit. But because I think I think a lot of people are assuming that Sam Howell is a quarterback that can prop up everybody around yes, him. And losing exactly Diami Brown, Daz Newsome, Javante Williams, Michael Carter isn't going to be that big of a deal on the other day. But like that, that is a huge, it's a massive deal. I think it's going to show. Um, especially if they can't get some production out of these younger wide receivers. Um, you Granted, they have the recruiting pedigree, um, but if they don't really take that step forward and produce at you know, even half the level that Diami Brown or Daz Newsom did, then I, I would be very nervous about this team. I'm not, we really don't know if Sam Howell's that kind of you know, guy or if Phil Longo's that type of you know, the guy that can help prop some of these guys up. So they, that's why I think I, we need to kind of take a step back with UNC. I still love UNC. I would not be surprised if they did win the ACC. Um, but what I'm saying is that I think, you know, I, I think I would be a little bit more confident in Miami um, than UNC at this point. Yeah, that's like in in the tier two group of the ACC, like, again, being that Clemson is like in tier one by itself. I, I would think Miami finishes above UNC this year for a lot of the same reasons that you talked about. I just don't know. Uh, you know, Howell has to be perfect you know, without these receivers and you're losing guys, not not just the running backs who we know about with the elusiveness and, and break tackleness. I mean, you're losing the receivers that were doing the same thing, that were taking, taking you know, shorter throws and, and, and creating explosive plays off of them. So you, you're just going to have to be so much more efficient if you're Sam Howell. Um, not that he wasn't, but like it's easier to be efficient when you're you're playmakers are making plays for you and uh it what would have been a first down and you got to go back to the huddle well huddle like anyone huddles anymore um and 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 do it again and do it again are we're, we're becoming touchdowns we're becoming 40 yard gains 50 yard gains last year so yeah he's going to be more efficient he's got to be better with his feet i think better with his timing he's a very good quarterback but uh, it, it's it's a big year for him it's a big year for him because you know we just talked about this but if he was able to come out this year or maybe he like let's say he'd opted out this year and we only had these first two seasons on tape first round pick right oh yeah i mean i feel like you probably would have been a top five guy i mean for me that he could the only thing he could do is go down Right. There's not a lot of yeah. room to go up anymore. And now you're playing this next season without a lot of uh, a lot of uh, your, your good players. Um, so you got to hope some other guys step up. Um, so that's kind of I so saw I'm on the same page with and the Miami has those receivers and they have the quarterback and the offensive line is better. So that's where I think we're all on uh, Miami. I think Miami's defense is probably better, too. All right, my sleeper pick in the ACC is none other than the Pitt Panthers. <laughs> um more because, look, the defense does lose some players, but they're going to be good again. They're always good under Pat Narduzzi. He gets the most out of, out of his defense. You have a quarterback, and I don't have the exact number here, but I believe uh, Kenny Pickett is going to his 17th year as starter of the Pitt Panthers. It's going to click eventually. Um, they bring in Brandon Marion to run the receiver room there. Maybe they'll, you know, he's had so much success running his offenses wherever he's been. Maybe they can incorporate some of that go-go stuff there. And I just feel like, you know, I have my Kenny Pickett thing. I have love for Kenny Pickett because I do feel like he's he's been playing in an offense that I don't like. When you look at the two quarterbacks that we just talked about, Derek King, Sam Howell, and they play in offenses that really work for the quarterback. And I'm not sure the offense that they've run before at Pitt has really worked for the quarterback. You know, it's tough, it's tough, the tough offenses. They ask you to do a lot. And so I hope that they can like simplify it a bit and we can really see who Kenny Pickett is. And and then we could make a real decision on 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 you know who Kenny Pickett is and then whether Pitt's gonna go. Again, I don't th- do I really think they're gonna win the ACC title? <laughs> no, I don't think that. But I think they're an interesting kind of case study in, in what happens when you when you don't run the offense that everyone else is running in college football. So that's my pick. I just wanted to talk about that for a second. All right, let's get to the... Uh... I mean, you, you lost me at <laughs> when you were talking about Kenny Pickett. You said eventually everything just kind of has to click. Yeah, that's when you lost me. I do like the receiver, Jordan Addison. In the defense, like like you said, it's still going to be great. Gonna be um, but they're going to win seven games again. And, Probably. And they're going to be playing in, I don't know what bowl game, but some middle of the tier one. 
that nobody's going to watch. I love Pitt. Ben Lindsay, our guy, he went to Pitt, handled Pitt. Um, but it's just not their year. It's going to be a slightly above 500 team. Again, like it always has been. All right, let's move to the Big Ten. Uh, who is, I already know, who is your pick for, uh, it's your team. Who is your pick for the Big Ten sleeper team? I mean, you know it's Indiana. <laughs> you, you know 100% it's Indiana. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of this depends on, of course, the durability of Michael Penix Jr. And also, if he can just kind of like reel in his the the accuracy because it's quite bizarre because you know we talk about it all the time i have, i don't think i've ever seen a quarterback that ranks so highly on you know accurate pass rate but also so highly on uncatchable pass rate and have such a low sliver of you know catchable but inaccurate passes i mean he's either dead on or he's completely off the map and i think that's kind of a big concern too um as long as well as the offensive line because it still is not going to get a whole lot better um, the run blocking, I think, is fine, but the pass protection is just really, really bad. Um, and two, losing while failure, that doesn't help either. But I do think, you know, the addition of DJ Matthews, a Florida State speedster, um, he's going to kind of take over that while failure role. I think it's going to help ease it. And I think we're going to see some positive regression for the tight end, Peyton Indershot, who had a just uncharacteristically bad season last year. It was so much different than what he did in 2019. And then two, you look at the defensive side of the ball. Um, the defensive line is still not good, but they did add a couple of transfers that I am intrigued with. I'm curious to see how they're going to perform. Um, you know, one from Ole Miss and another from Western Kentucky. Um, and then the secondary too. I mean, they return everybody, um, uh, besides Jamar Johnson, the safety, um, Tywan Mullen. He's a guy inside outside versatility. He's just a feisty player. A brother of Trayvon Mullen, Las Vegas Raiders corner, or yeah, Las Vegas Raiders corner. Um, a little brother actually just committed to Indiana, four-star recruit uh, next year's class, I think it is. Um, but two, I mean, he's not the only guy there. They have Reese Taylor, Jalen Williams, um, both cornerbacks, and then Devon Matthews, Monster Matthews, uh, one of the best nicknames, safety there, leading that defense with Micah McFadden, one of the best off-ball blitzing linebackers. And what I love about it is that they're not going to deviate from this, the system that made them so successful last year on the defense side of the ball. They lost their defensive coordinator, Kane Walmack now at South Alabama, the head coach there. Um, they're going to keep that same system in place. Tom Allen hired a guy um, with Warren to, to make sure that system did not change. And they want to keep it so, you know, they have that high blitz rate. You know, they throw those coverage rotations out there when they need to. And they, you know, kind of rotate time on Mullen, too, where he does have those inside-outside versatilities, blitz those, uh, the nickel all the time. And, and it worked a lot last season. So, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, how much the interception and turnover luck kind of, you know, comes back more towards the mean because there were some lucky interceptions they had in there. Um, but, you know, I think as long as Michael Penix Jr. stays healthy, they're going to put up a fight all year long. Um, and it, it's going to be an interesting one. I think if I'm correct, though, the bad part about this is that the, the one game they have to win that's the most questionable on that schedule is the, obviously the Ohio State when I'm pretty sure Ohio State's coming up a bye. I could be wrong, but if I recall correctly – yeah, I think that's how it is, and that's obviously not good for them. But that game, the game against Cincinnati, too, those are going to be two to watch this season. All right, my team for for a sleeper pick in the Big Ten is Minnesota. Um, obviously, we we saw them have the really good good year in 2019, and then completely just nothing in 2020. Uh, in 2020, I feel like you won't see as bad a play. I was never a huge Tanner Morgan fan, but I don't think you'll see as bad as a play as you, you did in 2020 I think yes you lose you know back-to-back -back years you lose Tyler Johnson and you lose uh Rashad Bateman but I think Chris Altman Bell is a really good player I think PJ Fleck has always done a good job of of coaching up receivers and finding receivers that can make plays for his team so that doesn't really worry me offensive line and the running game is going to be fantastic um both pass pro and you know running the football they're going to be really good Defense cannot, it just it cannot be as bad as they were last year. Um, this is like a team that just could not um, stop the run. They could not. It was one of the worst uh, rushing defenses that I, I honestly have probably ever seen. Um, could not stop the run. Even bad teams were running on them like crazy. So it's just like it can't be as bad. And so I think we could see another 2019 type of Minnesota season. Um, because, you know, again, Tanner Morgan, like I said about Kenny Pickett, he's coming back for his like eighth season. So I just believe that it'll be better 
much better than the 2020 season. So again, I've, sleeper pick. Do are, are they are they going to you know a one up Ohio State for the conference? Probably not. But I think they're they're going to be so much better than they were last season. I mean, I like it, especially if they can find a you know a quality number two yeah. outside of Chris Altman Bell. I think that would do wonders because I mean they do have the, all the other pieces in place there. I mean, obviously losing your guy Benjamin St. Juice, hey, that's that's a big loss. Um, but they still have Cody Durr there too. Uh, Justice Harris, he's a right, he's a veteran safety who kind of I think he's going to break out the season, late career breakout. And also too, PJ Fleck. I mean, I love that guy. Yeah. And you know when Austin talks to him and he said they run a lot of RPOs because they believe in the seventy-eight percent theory. This is one of the just most PJ Fleck things I've ever heard. Um, but it caught my eye. He said they did a fifty-year study across high school, college, and NFL. Found that you win the game seventy-eight percent of the time when you miss fewer tackles. Force more tackles, um, win the turnover battle, win the explosive plays battle, and RPOs keep your completion percentage incredibly high. Helps you protect the ball. That's why they do it. And you know, I, you know, I, I agree with you with Tanner Morgan. He's just a, a good college quarterback. Yeah. He can be a good college quarterback. All right, we're heading to the Big Twelve. Who is your pick for a sleeper team there? Um, I kind of want to change it up. I was going to go with TCU, but I think I might change it to West Virginia um, because I like that quarterback a lot better. Um, we're going back in on it. Jerry Deggie, we're on the hype train. Um, our, one of our interns, actually, Tej, uh, he pulled up a stat one day, sent it to me, unknowingly that our, we were just absolutely in love with Jerry Deggie as a player. And he happened to be at the very top of that. And it was, you know, uh, EPA, I believe it was EPA above expectation generated um and he was up there near the top with guys like justin fields and it just goes to show that the situation really was not all that great there um and i I think there is going to be some you know kind of the bounce back there i I do like winston Wright there i think he's going to be the top guy there i think he's going to develop into a more well-rounded receiver um in the defense too they lose tyke smith they lose drayshawn miller to the sec but they also still return a a bevy of very talented guys they could be the best secondary in the big 12 next season so i think i'm gonna roll with west virginia even though tcu i just don't have much faith in max duggan even though he did prove us wrong a little bit last year um he i just can't see him kind of developing into that above average quarterback that you need to be a sleeper team even though the the roster around him is just stupid talented quinton johnson jd spielman talents there at receiver mm-hmm. um defense two it's it's loaded from head to toe. Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew, if I recall correctly. Um, I mean, they, a lot of talent there. Just I don't believe in the quarterback. So I'm going with Oklahoma State because I think you know the defense has been pretty good um, the past few years. Offense takes a step back, but is that just entirely on the quarterback? It's very possible. And I don't think that quarter Spencer Sanders is going to be as bad as he's been. I just can't believe a guy going to his third year starting is 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 going to keep missing the throws. I mean, we're talking about easy throws that he's missing, and if he puts it together a little bit, I'm, I'm not, when I say easy throws, I mean easy wide open misses. And it's like, hey, are you going to do that on third year? Like you, you're practicing every day. You're trying to get better. And I don't believe that's going to happen again. Um, so I, they're my sleeper pick because I think Gundy can still run a good offense. Like I said, the defense is going to be good. And the, the, the quarterback play that have been that has been so bad um, can't be as bad again. And it's not like it was it was that bad. I mean, we still have him as like a top 50 quarterback, you know, but like... <laughs> I mean, top fifty. I mean, I, I feel like there's a distinct because I think some people they see like, oh, he's thirty first out of one hundred thirty. That's pretty good. But it's like, well, no, not really. If you're a power five quarterback, I don't know. The, I I thought you were saying that because he's thought our boy uh, Shane Illingworth is eventually going to take over. No, I think like I think Sanders is going to be the starter. They clearly like him, and that's yeah. fine. And he does some good things. Not like he does everything bad. But I think the things that you need to do well to win games, he doesn't do very well, which is kind of a problem. Right. But like I and said, also, I have – yeah, go ahead. I mean, I was going to say that I think my big concern too is they have no Tylen Walls. Yeah, to make – but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, well, no Tylen Walls to go make plays for him, but he'll just be better. 
So he won't need like he won't need as much. I mean, you okay. always need a Tyler Wallace, but you like you won't need as much that type of player. All right, all right let's go to the Pac-12. Who's your pick? Um, I'm gonna go Washington. Um, I think you know Dylan Morris. He showed a little bit yeah, on a very like, small like, sample. Oh, it's something there. Yeah, I know. We were, we always talk about it. We talk about it all the time. Don't fall yeah. in love with the small sample. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, but I mean, we're gonna we're do very, it. Though. Right? I'm being very cautious with this. Um, but I, I think I'm, I'm going to go with Washington just because I think, you know, the defense is going to be very, very good again. Um, and I think you look at the offenses that are in the, the Pac-12, they're really bad. I mean, they are supremely bad. Um, if USC does not kind of turn things around like they should, um, then I could theoretically see Washington's defense kind of carrying the load there for him. I think Trick, Trent McDuffie, um he's one of the best cornerbacks in all college football um you know they did have a big um lose on lose on the edge there with zion tearing his achilles tendon i think that's going to be rough for him they still have ryan bowman though coming back he's a very good pass rusher um and also too i'm looking forward to seeing kyler gordon on the outside as well uh brendan radley hiles former oklahoma slot cornerback who's he's um an interesting player to watch sometimes he does have those moments where you're like you kind of went a little bit too far those dirty moments he's had a few questionable hits the penalties have been a little bit of an issue um but he's a good coverage guy and i think they have all the pieces in place there on defense too um to really kind of be the top one of the best defenses in college football and i think that can get you really far especially if we see dylan morris kind of perform as we did this past season um in just the few games that we did see from him just because you know he did have you know a pff grade above 80.0 took very good care of the football do the fall ball you know effectively downfield so you know I, I think this is a team to keep an eye on i think they also need some wide receivers to step up as well um giles jackson he's a guy that i was always high on from michigan he's transferring there um doubt he's ends up emerging but he's just a name to keep an eye on too um and so i think there is some um some intrigue with this washington team but my heart still lies with usc always yeah i'm going with utah because just going back to the quarterback situation, I think there's a theme here, but it's like the quarterback, and this case is Charlie Brewer transfer from Baylor, will not play as bad as he has over the past couple of years. Like so, then therefore, there's a lot of you know talent there at Utah. The defense is going to be good again, and you know I think that they did some good stuff early in Charlie Brewer's career at, at Baylor to like insulate him. And I don't think they insulated him enough last year under Larry Fedora. Um, and Larry Fedora, I mean, like, even though Brewer's gone, he's transferred, but Larry Fedora was already out one year, you know, only lasted one year at Baylor. So clearly they weren't happy with what he was doing there. They replaced him with Jeff Grimes. So Brewer coming to Utah, and it's not quite the same offense, really not really at all the same offense that um, Baylor was running with Matt Rule. Uh, now with you know Andy Ludwig and Kyle Whittingham at Utah, but I think it'll it's a type of offense that could help them. You know they're gonna go under center, they're gonna run play action, they're gonna try and you know create some big plays off play action like that, turn your back to the defense, hard play action, and then they're gonna try and try and like not do too much with him, which is I think the problem of last year's Baylor team was they tried to do too much with him, and he's not he's probably not that type of quarterback. But um, if you can like kind of get his feet wet a little bit and, and slowly build him back up, I think there's a good quarterback there somewhere. Um, you know, a good college quarterback. Again, he's not like this toolsy player, but I think he's probably a good college quarterback there. So hopefully for them, and you know, this team could have been really good with a, with a quarterback last year. So I'm hoping that with a quarterback this year, um, another transfer quarterback, that they are going to be good this year. Well. Yeah, well, they love him too. I mean, they are gushing about him over there. Like they think he's comparing him to Jake Bentley. I mean, it's night and day. And I think one of my favorite stats that I've ever found is his over the last three years. I sent this to you like probably a month ago. I just dug it up. Charlie Brewer's play action passing grade: 2018, 89.3, 2019, 89.1, 2020, 44.0. It's just not going to happen. And and like I said, it's like a different offense. I mean, the play action grade incorporates all the rpos that they were running and stuff like that and and then with fedora it was a completely different air raid style passing game that that just did, didn't fit him all right last power five conference uh the sec who you got um i'm gonna go missouri um go. 
Yeah, and you heard it here I first, think you know folks, Missouri is going to win the SEC. Uh, no, 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 no. We're not putting that on the quote <laughs> graphic. I mean, if anyone's listening to this at PFF, do not put this one on a quote graphic. Um, put the pit one on there. That's that said. No, with, with Missouri, the defense is not good. Um, the cornerback situation is extremely rough. They did add a guy from Tulsa, a Caleb Evans. Um, I think he's going to be good for him. He will be a good cornerback, but still, he can't do it all himself. It is a really rough situation outside of him. Um, I'm a big fan of Kobe White, side the nose tackle. We've talked about him before in the past. I think if fully healthy, he's the guy. But outside of those two guys, I'm very concerned with that defense. But on the other hand, I think the offense is going to be pretty good. I think Connor Bazelak is exactly what Eli Drinkwitz needs in that offense. Um, he performed exceptionally well. I think he was probably one of the more underrated players um, in college football last season. I mean, considering he played against only you know SEC teams, and he still managed to produce you know at the level that he did. Um, you know, PFF grade just above 75.0, which is pretty good. Again, against SEC teams, um, started to merge there down the stretch too. So. I think, you know, there's there's some intrigue there as well. But they also need some pass catchers to step up. Um, I think the offensive line's still going to be in good shape despite seeing Larry Borum go away. But I think, you know, I'm not going to say they're a sleeper team to win the SEC, but I think they could be a sleeper team that could sneak up on a few teams. Like, they're not going to be a walk in the park, you know, as they, they have been. Uh, yeah, no, I like, I like Missouri. I think they're a team on the rise. Uh, my pick is going to be Ole Miss. I'm like cringing as I say that Ole Miss <laughs> winning the SEC. Um, look, yeah, they're not going to win the SEC, I don't think, but they could be a really interesting sleeper team because <laughs> because the defense can't be as bad as it was last year. It's just like I, I don't think it's like possible to be as bad as I didn't. I, first of all, I didn't think it was possible to be as bad as they were on know. defense just in general. Like I didn't think you could be that bad. Um, and then so then B, it's like okay, well then no way that. <laughs> Excuse me. It's like no way they're going to be as bad again on defense. So, you know, the offense will be fine. They do lose a lot of players, but I think Lynn Kiffin and Levy can put it together. Plus, they bring back Matt Corral. They bring back a running game. So, like, it, you know, if the defense is like, what would – I asked a question. What would the defense, like, in terms of, like, overall, like, EPA per play rank – what would it have to be for them to win the SEC West and like get to, the, get to the championship game? I mean, it also depends on the offense. Like, does the offense... The offense is good. Off- the offense is like... Is, um, it, the the output stays the same. 10. Yeah. It stays the same. Um, I mean, let's see, what were they? They can't... They, I feel like they have to be at least average, right? Because they were so almost dead last. Somewhere in the 60s, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think you get away with the 70s or so. And then, then I think now we're talking. Now we're cooking with fire. I think they could put up some points. Um, you know, if they still manage to put up the, you know, the production they had on offense, the passing offense, without Elijah Moore, I think that would be incredible. You know, right. I, I like um, Pearson, the guy they got from Western Kentucky. Um, he had a great year a couple of years ago back in 2019. Um but, you know, I, he, Elijah Moore, he was just exceptional for him. Perfect fit for that offense. And I think he's almost in that irreplaceable type of tier. Um, but that defense, yeah, if they, that production stayed the same, they'd have to be somewhere in the 60s, I would say, minimum. All right, let's move on here uh, to the out-of-conference games that we're very, very interested in watching. Uh, you want to go first here? Pick, pick, your, pick your game. Um, let's see here. So I was going to say Miami Bama, but I already went yeah. into that one. No, but that's, that's, that's a good one. I just feel yeah. like I'm thinking about this one, yeah. but this is, this is, this is, this is the issue right now where it's like, we're going to hype this game up Miami. They're going to bring it. Here we go. And they're going to lose 40 to 17. And probably, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I, I just, I don't know. At the end of the day, I still don't think it should be a 17 and a half. I think it's 17 and a half. Um, but I, I also, I'm going to say another week one game, and it's probably one that you're not expecting. I'm going to go Western Michigan, Michigan, um, because I think Western Michigan is capable of beating Michigan. And yet I think they're also 17 and a half point dogs. Graphic. <laughs> I know Western Michigan, they have some pieces in place there. I like Caleb Ellaby. I think he performed exceptionally well this past season, elite level. Um, I like Sky Moore. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, man, Ali Fayed, uh, he's a veteran edge defender. Dude's got a crafty spin move. He's going to produce at an elite level for him. 
And I think there's just a, they, I think they just have enough mismatches where I think they can make a, a competitive game a lot more than a lot of people think. Um, I just, I didn't even plan on saying that. It just pops in my head. <laughs> and then I remembered how fired up I was when it was like 2 a.m. a couple of weeks ago and I saw that. Uh, that they were that big of dogs against Michigan. Cause I don't think Michigan's going to be that good again. I, it's going to, I just don't know what direction Michigan's really going. You know what I mean? I have no clue about Michigan. Um, so the, 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 you know, the, the Alabama Miami game, I didn't even put it in my top five list because I was like, I just don't, like I said, I just feel like it's going to be underwhelming and I hope Miami wins, but I just feel like it's going to be underwhelming. Uh, I want my first pick was just a bias pick. LSU in the Rose Bowl playing against UCLA. I just love I love watching LSU play in places that I've never seen them play before, and the Rose okay. Bowl is is one of them. I love I love to see them play in the Rose Bowl game at some point. Um, hopefully, maybe for a national championship or a playoff semifinal would be great. Um, but it's it's always just fun to see. You know, I got to watch them in the Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago, um, and just see them play. I love watching. My favorite team played. I know UCLA isn't like it's not UCLA. They're not very good, but I, I love watching them play in, in in good out of conference games and not just play cupcakes all the time. So even though oh, UCLA, some UCLA there, yeah, is 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 DTR finally gonna you know right be better as a passer? I mean, he does have a very good supporting cast around him. I mean, um, so I wouldn't. Put, I, I kind of like it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dog that one. Um, I'm gonna say my number two pick. Ohio State, Oregon, and it's mostly yeah, just because I, I want to see, too. yeah, I want to see Kayvon Thibodeau against Thayer Munford and Nicholas uh, Tefriere. I can't do the the French accent <laughs> like you can, um, but you I, I think that's an exactly. I think that's an intriguing matchup there. Um, and I'm also curious too is, you know, do you think Anthony Brown's going to be starting for Oregon at quarterback for the entire season? I don't think he will be because I yeah. just he did not show a lot at Boston College to get me like, oh, this guy can start at Oregon even though the Pac-12 is really not all that good, I think at some point we're going to see the true freshman, Ty Thompson, come in and try and you know kind of save the day, save the year for him. That's my bold prediction for Oregon this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the Oregon quarterback situation is super interesting because obviously this the roster is one of the best in the Pac-12, but it, it could be undone um, by, by bad quarterback play. So they might go to the freshman early. Okay, I put, you know, we, since he had Notre Dame, that's crazy um, because um, you're getting Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame defensive coordinator, who was Cincinnati's defensive coordinator. Um, so you wonder if Cincinnati can figure out a way to because they'll have game film on them. I think I don't think it's it's not to like October second, so they'll know everything they need to know about that defense, and we'll see if they if if, if it's the same defense that they saw at. At Cincinnati, then 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 maybe they have some answers for it, and maybe the Cincinnati team is that good. Um, you know, maybe they are a, a legitimately a, a team that can legitimately hang with Power Five conference teams on a on a weekly basis. I mean, obviously they played Georgia pretty tough in the in the in the bowl game last year, and hopefully it continues over this year, and and we see a really good game uh, uh, between between those two teams. Yeah, I mean, I had that one listed too, and I think you know, I think it's it's very interesting because I think at the end of the day, they're both going to run. That's kind of the same defenses that you know they're inheriting, um, and I'm wondering if they're just going to start to throw some curveballs out there for this one. Um, and I think that's why it's going to make it a very interesting affair. I'm also going to go with another Notre Dame game. Oh, um, me too. Oh, is it? I think we got the same one. Your boy Jack Cohn revenge yeah, game against baby. Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and it's not only that, um, but it's also you have Graham Mertz actually going up against um, an actual defense, an actual yeah. coverage unit. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see with Graham Mertz. And we talked about it before. You know, he lit up Illinois. It was it was one of the best debuts I've ever seen at quarterback. And he was perfect. Didn't throw an uncatchable ball. Um, over 20 passes. We've only seen that like two times in the PFF college era. I think Justin Fields had the other one. Um, it was, then he just kind of fell apart, but reportedly was playing through a shoulder injury, had to get injections and shit like that. Um, how much did how much that affect the rest of his year's play? Because he was not the same quarterback at all at any point in time in the rest of the year. Um, and so that's what I want to keep an eye on. Plus the Jack Cohn revenge game. Jack Cohn at Notre Dame, he's, um, I, I don't think I'm as high on Jack Cohn just because I don't like the way he throws he throws the deep ball at all i hate it 
it bothers me to watch because it's just so just like chucks up in the air. And it's like, why are you throwing that? Um, Because we're in the era, you know, we're we're in the era where we fall in love with the deep balls. You know, he's kind of the exact opposite quarterback of like, um, like Sam Howell, exactly the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, I like Cone because the, of that. <laughs> because, like, I don't... I, <laughs> Take I, the hard system and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think he's going to run the Notre Dame offense better than Ian Book did. Um, he's going to run it on time, which I think is important. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for that game. It's in Chicago, I believe, too. I think the... was well, I think yeah, last Soldier year was Field. supposed to be at Lambeau. And obviously that got canceled. I really hope that some some of these games get re the, the games that were canceled for 2019, like this one was supposed to happen. The Oregon OSU game was supposed to happen in Austin. I'd love to see that. Like not just one game with the horseshoe, but whatever. We'll take it. Um, uh, Notre Dame and Navy. They're supposed to play in Dublin. Now opening up College Game Day. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, okay, and then uh, my last one. So we've go- gone through the four that I have. The last one. Kind of is actually the number one game, but it's uh, Georgia and Clemson to open the season because yeah. that that is going to be a close game. I would imagine, right? This is not going to be a blowout. It could be one of the games of the season. Uh, so I'm super excited about that one. Two teams that are, that that believe that they can win a national t- title, and I don't think that either of them are wrong. Obviously, I think like the variance with these teams, like both of these teams, it's so big. They I, so much potential. It's just a lot of unproven potential. JT Daniels, too. I mean, we're beating a dead horse at this point. But, you know, can he have that same success that he did in that one game? That one game, because the other three games, I, they were not as good. Can he replicate it against this Clemson team opening night, one of the biggest games of the year? It's going to be an interesting one to see. And also, Eric Gilbert playing, you know, mostly wide receiver as well. Um, the defensive side of the ball, Darren Kendrick at corner, Kelly Ringo, just so much physical raw talent. Can they piece together beat Clemson? I don't know. I don't know who I'm siding with right now. I'm going to hold off on making a pick on that one. All right. So yeah, yeah. Let, we'll 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 save the picks for for a, what a couple months from now, for two months from now. Um, but yeah. So those are our favorite out of conference games. Do you have another one on the list? Uh, no, we picked them all. You, you all right, read perfect. my mind. Uh, yeah, I think these games are the ones that I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it's going to be really nice to see out of conference games again like it's like one of the things that uh that you miss and it's not even like you know i know miami alabama is you know neutral site game and stuff like that like that's whatever i just want to see you know oregon coming to the horseshoe like that's so cool lsu going to the rose bowl that's so cool um yeah i'm excited for 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 those type of games the the home home and away at a conference games to come back because we, we miss them. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. I want you guys to remember that if you are listening to this uh, PFF podcast, we have other great podcasts on our PFF podcast network, which covers, of course, the NFL, fantasy football, and this show, College. So uh, you can recap the NFL draft with PFF Mike and PFF Austin on Two for One Drafts, um, probably one of the best podcasts out there, in my opinion. You can check out Ian Harditz's fantasy football podcast and get a leg up on your league. I'm going to need it next year because I finished very poorly uh, last season in fantasy football and get all your 2021 betting content with the PFF forecast and other great, great podcasts. So um, a lot of podcasts on the network. Make sure you tune into all of them. Okay. And to finish off, we are going through, um, as we've been doing every week, the top 10 returning players at each position. We are doing interior offensive linemen. That means guards and centers. And uh, yeah, let's let's get into it right away. Number one returning player is a center from Iowa, Tyler Lindenbaum, Linderbaum, sorry. And um, yeah, what do you like about him? Yeah, he's probably like my favorite offensive lineman in all of college football. I mean, I thought he could have, he would have been a you know top fifty pick if he came out last year. I would believe um, he's a fantastic athlete, great movement skills. 
um, former wrestler. There was a video that went, I started going on. I think, I don't know if it went fully viral, but it went football Twitter viral. Um, him beating his former teammate, Tristan Wurst in high school. I mean, this guy's an absolute dog out there on the mat. I think he played like four or five sports in high school too, uh, which you love to see. Came to Iowa, defensive lineman in 2018, kicked the center on the other side of the ball in 2019, ended up being one of the five highest graded power five centers, and then was the, the highest graded power five center this past season. Um, he just kind of has, he's the complete package there, um, working on adding some weight there too. Um, and I, I just, I think he's the best overall lineman in college football. Number two, uh, Kane Madden, who is now the Notre Dame guard, who was at Marshall, had a great season at Marshall, and now comes to Notre Dame, like just the perfect time, I think, for both player and program to come there because they lose. Notre Dame obviously loses a lot of talent, and now Kane Madden comes in. He's going to start, and uh, he's going to play in the Power Five, which is really good, cool for him. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was just perfect timing for both parties. Um, Kane Madden, you know, his run blocking, it wasn't until this past season that we really started to see you know, elite level play from him um, in that facet. He was rarely out of control. Um, one of the lowest negatively graded run blocking rates in college football this past season. Paired that with an 82.0 pass block grade. I think the biggest thing that I want to see from him this upcoming team, he's got to get better with the start recognition. He, he has to get improved. I think that's kind of the big fatal wall. And I think that might hurt him a little bit, um, especially when he's going up against some of these tougher defensive fronts. Um, you know, getting that first taste of actual you know, competition, not necessarily facing some of the, the kind of level of competition he faced at Marshall. Um, but, I, you know, obviously still think highly of him because we have him there at number two. I think this was a fantastic get for Notre Dame. And even though they lost four starters, all of which are on NFL rosters right now, I still think they're going to have one of the better offensive lines in college football. I don't think that's a hot take. Uh, yeah, well, we'll get to um, Patterson in a second. Uh, number three, Grant Gibson, NC State. Talking about having a good offensive line. NC State could have a very good offensive line this year. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, we talked about it too. Um, with came the other day. Greg Gibson, another athletic defensive tackle to center convert. Um, you know, this past season was just well polished, both in passing, uh, pass protection, and as a run blocker. Uh, produced a grade above 80.0, both of those facets, something only four other or five other Power 5 centers did. Um, four in the NFL, the other one, Tyler Linderbaum. So he's definitely up there. Um, right behind Leonard Baum as the second best center, top three interior offensive lineman in our eyes. So, yeah, number four, uh, Jared Patterson, Notre Dame. Thought and think maybe he could move out to tackle, but either way, I think Notre Dame's going to have a really good offensive line again next year. Yeah, for sure. And that's the big question mark. And I think why it's so murky right now. So, Jared Patterson, last two years, started at center, has been great. 11th, we're, we always include Notre Dame in the Power Five conversation because they're a Power Five program. I don't. It does not matter that they're, you know, independent. They play a Power 5 schedule, um, and they have, or have Power 5 talent on roster. He's 11th among Power 5 centers in PFF grade back in 2019, jumped to 6th in 2020. But I think, you know, there's a big kind of um, – and I don't know this for certain, but I, I think there is kind of a, an argument there that, you know, one party wants to stay at center, another one wants to move to tackle. Um, and I think that's why it's a little bit murky right now, and they're trying to figure that out. Um, I, I think at this point – he would be good at tackle, but given what he's done at center the last couple of years, I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And yeah. I think that's kind of where I would lean with the whole situation. Um, but it'll be interesting. That's a, that's a uh, situation to monitor. Number five, guard Justin Schaefer from Georgia. Um, I think, you know, I don't think we, it's funny. We don't really talk about Georgia having this like great, they obviously produced a lot of great offensive linemen over the past few years, but sometimes we just don't never talk about Georgia having a complete offensive line. So, Will they this year? Yeah, I mean, I 100%. I, I think they will. We talked about Jamari Salyer um, last week when we were talking about the offensive tackles with Justin Schaefer. Um, he finally got, grabbed a starting job this past season. There was some, you know, inconsistencies a little bit um, from time to time. But the high-end play that we saw from him this past season was too good to ignore. Um, you know, he had one of the highest positively graded run blocking rates in the Power 5 last season, um, top 10 in that metric. Um, was, you know, pretty I was quite impressed with how he performed on those true passes, which we had a big discussion about last week of why that's so important with offensive line play. I, I was quite impressed with what he did, given he was a first-time starter going up against only SEC competition. Um, and he ended up playing his way into the top five spot, returning. Number six, guard Alec Lindstrom from Boston College. 
Yeah, repping. Not a Boston College fan, <laughs> um, but I have the shirt, and I figure we're talking about some offensive line in Boston College. Notoriously good offensive line. They're having another damn good one this year. Um, Alec Lindstrom, the little brother of former Boston College offensive lineman as well, Chris Lindstrom, now Atlanta Falcon. Um, low expectations coming out, obviously, two-star recruit, um, but he ended up developing developing into a standout pass protector, like his older brother. Um, you know, this past season, uh, he's top twelve in pass block grade. Um, just you know. I think the biggest thing with him is like he's a um, – I'm curious to see if this is kind of his limit just because when it t- when time came to face the defensive lines of Clemson and Pitt, and I think those are very important games for any – when you're evaluating ACC defense or offensive linemen, how do they perform against Pitt and Clemson? It really wasn't all that great. Um, but I, I think, you know, the pieces and tools are there for him to be, you know, a very good player. And I still think he is a very good player. Obviously, he's there at number six. So – you know, Boston College are going to have a very good offensive line. Um, I think it's going to be also on Phil Dracovic to kind of, you know, play a little bit more tame and, and not kind of bring some of this pressure on himself and be so willing to break the pocket. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a, um, you know, we should have talked about him earlier when we were talking about sleeper teams in the ACC. Boston yeah. College could, could really be one. They really could, especially if we see some kind of improvements because I think the defense kind of struggled to get acclimated to that new that Ohio State system um, this, this past year. Number eight, stay, uh, going back to the Big Ten, uh, guard whoa. Kyler Schott. Whoa, 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 whoa. I missed whoa. one, I missed one. Number seven, yeah. a center from Illinois, Doug Kramer. What the hell are you? Yeah, you can't miss on my <laughs> boy, dog, like that. Yeah, especially after the 2020, he had the dude had it rough. He, he, um, he had a very rough season just because, you know, he had to quarantine for a few weeks due to COVID-19. And when you're an offensive lineman, it's probably not ideal. Um, he had a rough time coming back, rusty in his next two games. And when he started to, you know, finally find his footing look like the Doug Kramer that we saw in 2018 to 2019. Um, he had an ankle injury. Um, and, but at the end of the day, you look back at what those two seasons were prior to the COVID impact of 2020. And he was exceptional. He maintains his blocks exceptionally well on the move, uh, puts defenders on the ground like clockwork. I mean, back in 2019, he had the most big time run blocks that we've ever seen from a power five center in the PF of college era. I think Landon Dickerson actually might've tied it this past year. Um, but, you know, he's just a very good run blocker. And I think that offensive line is a, an interesting one. He's also very good, too, when you look at those true pass sets. Um, Illinois' offensive line, I think it has the potential to be a top – I'd say their ceiling is a top five in all of college football, but they're not quite there yet. I think they just kind of had a tough time of piecing it all together at the right time. Um, but the potential is there for that offensive line to be really, really good. Okay, number eight. Uh, guard Kyler Kyler shot from Iowa. Um, so the, I mean, Iowa's clearly going to be very good up on the interior. They lose some players on the outside uh, from of the offensive line, but I think they're going to be really good, and it's kind of why uh, kind of why a lot of people like Iowa. Yeah, and you know, with, with Iowa, you know, they don't have a whole lot of experience there. They're riding on inexperience, but I think you know the flashes that we've seen and. Like you said, don't overreact to the small samples. But what we've seen from you know some of the guys that are going to have to step up, I think that's pretty promising. And guys like Kyler too that are, that can anchor that with Linderbaum. Um, I think Cody Ince, um, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's going to kick over to tackle. He performed exceptionally well at guard um, for Iowa this past season. Um, Kyler Shot, he's just one of the better pass protectors. Former walk on too. Um, had an 87.4 pass block grade this past year. Just one pressure allowed. And considering the fact that he kind of had. Um, an injury that knocked him out a few games mid-year, only could play in five games. He, it was a seamless transition there. Uh, so I was impressed with what he did this past year. I think with him and Tyler Linderbaum, uh, it's going to be a very good offensive line. I think it's one of the best in college football. Moving on, number nine guard, Emil Echior from Alabama. Yeah, I mean, this guy's just, he's just a power, a powerful guy. He's just a, a big, powerful unit. Um, just you know, keeping the Alabama stand. Uh, standard there uh very good on man runs you saw it this past season uh one of the highest positively graded run block uh rates on such run concepts um you know he's just not i think the athleticism it more so just the quicks dealing with that i think that's kind of the big question mark with him um but you know he's got a lot of potential there riding with him i think that alabama line does have a lot of potential um across the board to be maybe the best um but i'm not even going to put him in the top five quite yet and uh, last but not least, number 10, guard Osiris Torrance from Louisiana, who's honestly, I mean, that's a team that's produced some really, really good offensive linemen over the past few years there. And they're going to have another good running game. 
Yeah, and this guy's got a crazy background. And he was 420 pounds in the eighth grade. 420 pounds. And he, he slimmed down a little bit. He's six foot five, three thirty-two right now. And late in the process too, he was having some big schools kind of hit him up. Georgia made a late push for him back in the 2019 class. Um, but he wanted to stick with Louisiana, be a raging Cajun. He was kind of thrown into the fire um, his true freshman season. There was an injury along the offensive line in the season opener. Um, and he was a little rough at the start. But right from that point on, um, he was one of the best offensive linemen in college football. He was the highest graded interior offensive lineman as a true or among true freshmen in 2019. Um, and in this past season, he had the third best pass block grade among all FBS guards. Um, didn't allow a single sack or hit. Um, it crossed 713 pass block snaps as an underclassman. I mean, that, that that is an absurd number. He did not have either one of those, you know, at a one to the column. So I'm quite impressed with him. I think he's one of the most underrated players in college football. I'm excited to see what he can do from this point forward. All right, there you have it. Top 10 returning interior offensive linemen. Stay tuned next week and you will hear the top 10 returning edge defenders as we move to defense. All right, so don't forget... Um, PFF College Football Preview Magazine out now um, on pff.com. Uh, link on the in the you know just go to pff.com. You see the big big headline, big link. Click on that, and you can get it if you have a College Football Grade subscription, PFF Edge subscription. If not, uh, go get one. First of all, what are you doing without uh, a PFF subscription? Uh, because you should all have it if you want to. Honestly, really, like if you want to win your fantasy league, that's that's you need it, right? I always tell people when they say, "Should I get it?" and I was like, "Well, you honestly will make your money back, whether yeah. you're about it, whatever. If you like fantasy or if you're a gambler, you're gonna make your money back if you got it." So that's that's my selling point. It works every time because it has not failed me yet. Yeah. So so get on there and like I said, um, we put a lot of time and effort into this thing, and and you can find stuff like i i always you can just find stuff that you, that you can't get anywhere else in any other preview magazine I, so i actually had to st- i actually had to stop playing i'm retiring from fantasy football i'm gonna make my retirement plug i'm retiring from fantasy football because i kept winning I swear like it wasn't fun anymore and so if you want to get on that level you just get a pff subscription you get the pff college magazine and then you also can read some of the fantasy stuff from our guys like ian who are just some of the brightest minds in that side of things I'm retiring from fantasy football because I don't win ever. So, <laughs> well, uh, you're not using our tools properly, then. Yeah, well, I overdraft my favorite players, so that's that's why I shouldn't be doing that anymore. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, take care, guys, and we will see you next week. Oh.